I have no background in this. I am just a mom who is fired up to protect my child like any other mother out there. And it is a universal push. There is no one path to get there. There's the first step. The step is agreeing to yourself to making the decision. I'm going to fight for my child because what's coming down the road is so much bigger than just what's in this moment. I sure up on my values. I speak it, you know, confidently, willing to be, you know, uh, educated if I say the wrong thing. So the point being is when you speak on that sort of level of truth, the right people at the right place, the right time come into your life. Samara Armstrong is an actress and political activist. You know her from a ton of TV shows and movies, including The O.C. and one of my favorites, Sons of Anarchy. She's currently battling corruption at the highest levels down in Arizona. Thanks for joining me today. I, you know, I wanted to try to pronounce your name properly, but I chickened out at the last second and went with the safe interpretation. But thanks for coming on. Wait, your interpretation was so great. I didn't even, it didn't even uh, well, ring in my head that it was wrong. What did you say? I said Samer, but I know it's got like. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess Samara. I'm so used to it that it's Samira. Samira. Okay. Yeah. But it, to be fair, I wish it was Samer because that would make my life so much easier. Uh, for sure. I bet. Now, a lot of people I think caught wind of what you were all about a few months ago when you did a video for Prager you I watched it I think half a million other people at least on YouTube watched it I want to show a clip of that for the audience just to get started and then we'll talk about exactly what you're saying in the video Justin go ahead please I think nowadays it's different for the sake of being different because it's politically correct you know like we're gonna fit this transgender character in here now that we're PC natural organic stories stopped being told and you had to make a checklist of what was was acceptable you know all the the nuances of art disappeared and shouldn't it be about talent shouldn't it be about about merit or capability or effective storytelling or emotional presence. You gotta wonder what's the point of acting school and putting this time into developing the craft if that doesn't matter anymore. We aren't able. Now there's a book I recall by Ben Shapiro called Primetime Propaganda and he re really outlines the bias as he first saw it in Hollywood when he was really young. I wanted to ask you, when did you first notice a clear like ideo ideological bias in that industry? Yeah, I noticed that as soon as I, well, okay, I, I should say I moved to Los Angeles when I was 18, but I was paying attention to Hollywood, you know, far into my, into my youth. Um, so I was watching anyone who watched the Academy Awards would see various actors get up there and speak some sort of social justice uh, during their acceptance speech from time to time. So I was always aware of it. But it didn't become sort of violent until the last few years, meaning we were allowed to think differently. We just all kept our voices to ourselves. When Obama came out and ran for office was the real definitive moment where if you didn't agree with um, what his, what was his slogan? Uh, where, wait, I think yes, his slogan was everyone. like, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can. And something about hope. And I remember saying to a friend who had the, the, you know, I had friends who actually worked on the artwork for it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But um, nope, not, you know, hope. I was like, I don't think so. I just don't buy it, you know? And, 
And it wasn't that I was politically distinct in one way or another, but having been raised in the environment I was in and also paying so close attention to acting, which is really a, a barometer of liars or, or truth tellers, you know, that person, Obama, and subsequently Hillary Clinton and, and George Bush, for that matter, all reek of inauthenticity and that they were snake salesmen. That's how I took it. Um, but if you said that, then you were looked at really quite poorly, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, that that was that was when it started to get really before that. Nobody cared at that moment. As an actor, you were supposed to be on the side of the Democrats. Now, was there a tipping point that you can remember where something happened or you saw or read something where somebody said something to you where you said, I need to start speaking out now? I need to start going against the grain? Yes. So um, in my youth, and I've spoken about this a little bit while I was in um, Hollywood, I would, you know, here and there try to put out, you know, things that mattered to me. To me, coming again from the background I came from second amendment right to care to bear arms was very important and very frowned upon in Los Angeles, even though everyone's private security <laughs> was, was, was loaded, you know, but, um, and that many people in their homes were as well, but you, and also obviously in film and television, that's action packed films. No one's carrying around water guns, you know, they're guns. So I would, you know, put out subtle messages or not so subtle messages about my support for, for 2A. Um, but the tipping point was this year, and it's really quite a shame that it took me so long, you know, but all in God's timing and all in God's plan, um, what happened was I, we were all, you know, locked down, watching our world be destroyed, watching the constitution and all of our rights being ripped away, watching our businesses be burnt to the ground by domestic terrorists and half the country being like, well, you know, it's social justice. They deserve it. And it was really disheartening in my, um, in my industry to see, you know, I, really from the acting standpoint outside of James Woods and um, I don't know, maybe Scott Bayo, who I never paid much attention to, not that there's anything wrong with him, but at least from my age demographic, it was a completely non-existent uh, message. Like, Hey guys, maybe, maybe we don't burn down our country. Maybe we don't tear down statues. Maybe there's another way to go about this. Just maybe, you know, not even like, no, this is wrong. Just, just maybe. And, and that wasn't even being said. And it was a boiling point. Um, as the more I looked into it and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very new to this. Many people have been at this for a very long time, but I was compelled to understand further and further. I started ordering more books and like asking more questions and listening to various voices and be like, wow, all those things I had inklings of understandings about and like, just small in, intuitions about people who were corrupt and things that I sort of felt like I was putting together became validated through other people's experiences and messages as well. And, and, and I, I felt like I had to do something. I had to, because of what I understood as my industry was, was sort of this sort of, you know, false mirror held up to society, ideally for the sake of good, like 
here's some morals that we could live by. Here's some character driven stories that we can create narratives that will like compel us as Americans to become more wonderful human beings, stronger human beings. That's what I thought the industry was about. And I found out that it was the absolute further furthest from my perception it could possibly be. So I, I had to speak out against it and sort of shatter the spell uh, that I saw occurring. Are you sort of forced into like one of these mythical Hollywood conservative enclaves? Do those exist? Is it is it a part of surviving um, the industry in, in terms of professionally and not being able to speak out? Is that the sort of situation it is there? Yeah, so I heard there was a group called uh, Friends of Bill. Is that, no, no, wait, Friends of Bill. Friend, a, Friends of Abe. Friends of Bill. Yeah, I think <laughs> Friends, Friends of, of Bill, Bill W is AA. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. That exists too. Um, but that's actually a lot less frowned upon participating in than Friends of Abe. But yeah, I'd heard of this group and it was, a, you know, I, the idea of being a Republican never um, appealed to me. I, I just never liked identifying. Mm-hmm. I, I always liked the Constitution. You know, I, I, um, I felt like that represented me well. And uh, so I, I never, I never felt like I needed to like gate, uh, uh, like, group up with a group of people who, but what happened was when I did speak out and I thought I was going to have to do it all by myself, right? I was the only one doing it. I found out I was so, so naive and that there were so many other people speaking out, um, had been speaking out far long before me. And then there was this, you know, big MAGA movement in California, which was mind blowing. Like it just, the idea of California, even in the slightest being read was so unheard of. And people were on the streets in Beverly Hills by the thousands. And it wasn't just the streets of people. And I'm specifically referring to the, the MAGA rallies that we would have on our own on the weekends, every weekend. It wasn't just the people standing on the corner with signs. It was also the cars driving by that had absolutely nothing to do it, do with it, showing their support. So this was a, big, big movement. And, um, and it just showed me like how silly it was for me or anyone else to be so, I guess, scared or timid to speak out in some, um, uh, about something they believe in. Yeah, that's along the lines of what I wanted to ask you next. Once you're speaking out about your beliefs, as I believe everyone should, did, are you yeah. getting backlash? Are you getting praise? Is it life well, as usual? Yeah, no, it's definitely <laughs> no. Life is and life no life no longer has a life as usual component <laughs> to it. Life is nothing like it once was, or and I, I I don't think I mean I I think we all aspire for normalcy, but I I don't think that will ever we will never regain that uh, in at least in in our lifetime. There's so much to be fought uh, against the tyranny that's going on right now. They're they're not going to give up, and we're not going to give up. But to your point, um. Uh, I, I started to see the cracks in Hollywood, you know, years before I spoke out. In fact, um, I put myself in a position in 2000, I believe it was like 18, 19, where I had already let go of my agents and managers. I had been hearing for at least seven years at that point that I couldn't get work because I was white and everything was going too diverse. And it wasn't just, um, the actors. It was writers, directors, producers, crew. It was, it was everybody. 
And, and on the one hand, at first, you know, and I said this in the Prager You video, everyone, for the majority of the people were like, yes, finally, this is happening. Okay, you know, the pendulum has swung from one direction to the other. Finally, diversity is a thing. I mean, and I, I didn't get the opportunity to say this in the Prager You, but just years prior, I was up for a role that would be in an interracial relationship. And they said America wasn't ready for that, which was just so bogus and 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 backwards, you know, and, and so it was really refreshing at first to see, wow, this is like a, a new movement, diversity, like not just all white people. We, we, I would sit in cast and be like, damn, this is the widest crew I've ever seen, you know, or whatever, widest, you know, whatever. So, so it was awesome to see that, but then to come to find out that it was an inorganic process intentionally designed to control narrative, to create a uh, social awakening that was just not so much an awakening, but a, uh, a, you know, a, spe a spell. I, I keep using this word, but this it's, it's programming, right? So not only are you not supposed to say anything and we were all talking to one another quietly, secretly without, you know, not publicly. So writers were talking to other writers and what was unfortunate was that even say black uh, directors, I know black, a black director, a friend who is, was speaking with a white director friend and a white director friends like I can't get any work because I'm white and the black director friends like I can only get black content mm -hmm. films because I'm black you know and it, it's just again this goes to the inorganicness this is not how humans evolve it's all con contrived and and really mechanical in this bizarre icky way um I forget where we started with that with that rant, but <laughs> well, here we are. In that in that same video, you mentioned how like the Oscars were really white for a long time. I've always kind of yeah. thought it was odd though how Hollywood complains about the lack of diversity and everything. But as you as you share with us, it's them yes. doing the casting. They're the yes. ones greenlighting the project. Yes. From yes. from start to finish, they the, the executives make their notes. I'm basing this off yeah. of my information from Entourage, by the way. The executives oh. make, make the notes, <laughs> and it has to be changed. So, don't they have the responsibility yeah. uh, to actually make these changes that they're complaining about? Yeah, I don't know who gave the final okay because, you know, e even in, in in Entourage, it wasn't like the creators weren't willing to have a diverse cast. It was Hollywood. And I'll tell you what exactly what it is. Hollywood doesn't make as much money as it used to in America. Mm -hmm. It makes most of its money overseas. Overseas, say China, they are the ones who don't want to see diverse. They are the ones who control the narrative of what the story or the plot is. They want it to fit in sync with their sort of communist country ideals. Also, they're not very fond of people uh, who have various shades of skin color mm -hmm. outside of their own. And that's just a fact. As I heard that over and over again, the reason this won't last is what I heard initially is that China doesn't want to see diversity. So it's, it's going to move back. And, and then that ultimately, you know, I think that people misunderstood really what China, China, China wanted to see destruction of America at, at all costs. So whatever that looked like. Don't tell that life. to Fast and the Furious. Now, I want to transition to Arizona. Um, audit, Speaker of the House. Tell everybody what type of work you're doing and what's going on over there. Sure. So, you know, I'm doing something that's pretty unpopular. A lot of people are fed up 
And a lot of people spend a, a number of time complaining about it. And then ultimately are looking for direction on how to make change. And we're under this illusion for the last decade and several decades that there's some sort of leader who is going to help us and take us to this next level of liberty that's been taken from us and, you know, fight back against the tyranny of what's going on. Um, and that's just not the case. And our Republican Party and Democrat Party, they are actually a uniparty and they work in conjunction with each other. So what happens is you have these sort of wishing wells of hope that you vote into. And ultimately, as we've seen, they've come, they, they go into office and they do absolutely very, if not nothing, very little to represent our values and our interests. And we've seen this time and time again. So when I say that I'm doing something that's a little unpopular, um, at the moment, I'm working with what's called the Arizona Patriot Party. Um, and that was discussed months back, a Patriot Party. Trump had munch, mentioned that. Um, and, we, and many people were like, yeah, heck yeah, we're sick of this. Let's see it. And then there was sort of this pushback. Well, a Patriot Party would only, you know, split the vote. And, and it's, it's, it's just that's too simplistic of a way mm -hmm. to look at it. Um, what we you know, the, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, we're done playing by the Republican rules. We're done playing by the Democrat rules. We're going to represent ourselves. We're going to stand up. We're going to go in the streets. We're going to scare the living daylight by doing a, a recall, collecting 24,000 signatures in the district of, of Rusty Bowers and, and, and let you know that we're serious, that we can be effective, we can create effective change, and we're not waiting around twiddling our thumbs for these so-called representatives to do it for us. Um, and so, you know, what we, we, they've been at this, and, you know, again, I say this all the time. I please don't. I'm not trying to take credit for anyone else's work in any way, shape or form. I don't pretend to know more than I do. I'm in a constant state of learning. And and I think that's an important place to be. And I want to be a representative for any mother or individual out there who's like, I don't know how to go about this process. I don't know what to do. I don't either. I just take the right next indicated action. And, you know, I, 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 I sure up on my values. I speak it, you know, confidently, willing to be, you know, uh, educated if I say the wrong thing. So the point being is when you speak on that sort of level of truth, the right people at the right place, the right time come into your life. So I was very adamant, started by getting um, rid of masks realizing that I had to be a part of what was happening in local politics and state politics, you know, it paid, uh, Arizona, um, uh, Patriot Party is about putting Arizona first. So that's ensuring our constitutional values to ensure that our education is not riddled with critical race theory, that, you know, we don't have to put our children through child abuse for non-scientifically proven reasons to wear masks. Um, and we're being bold and we're participating from the community level up. So this Patriot Party was working for four months straight on this recall in a district, a specific district that uh, um, that uh, Rusty Bowers has a, has a very strong uh, Mormon community mm. family members in. And just in that alone, in the context of what we had to you know, push through, we had so many people ready to sign, ready and willing to sign. And that should speak a lot to this man to say that there are not, these people are not fans of you. And there are family members 
and there are community members who you say claim to represent who are sick and tired of your BS and want you out. And so what happened was we collected the signatures. We had a very small cushion. And as soon as they got there, they rejected it because of a, technica a technicality. So as soon as the... Um, as soon as they started the the recall process, Rusty Bauer, the government uh, in 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 state of Arizona, put forth a bill that would essentially no longer allow for a recall ever to take place again. Um, so what happened was in that right, I mean, it just it's laughable. I'm glad <laughs> it's really like it's either like you end up going to therapy, crying about it, or you laugh it off and just you know it's 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 just proof again of the um, corruption. This guy is happy to take our votes and do something antithesis of what we actually want. Um, he was against the audit. He was against election integrity. I mean, there's so many things to, over and over again that they say they're going to do and they're done and we're done. We're done. So yes, it was a total bummer to get that, you know, slam down. Sorry, we're throwing this out. All this work that you all put into it for four months. It, on a technicality. Now, the technicality itself was that um, there wasn't a piece of paper attached to the 2000 pieces of paper saying what the audit was for. And and to my understanding, this was part of the revised uh, law that would now not a re revised bill that would it basically not ensure uh, a, a recall ever to happen again. So it, it's being discussed with lawyers at this point. But I think more than anything, the message is should be received to the Republican Party, who you know are rhinos, that we're we're not taking it. We're not taking it. I think a lot of what you're saying is speaking to a lot of people across the continent right now who are upset with. I mean, in Canada, the majority of the premiers, which same as governors for those in America, are were elected as conservatives, and a lot of people are disappointed with how they've basically done. I mean, I can think of one thing. They, they've come out against that social media bill um, that is going around the internet right now. They've, that's about all I can think of that they've come out against in the last year and a half. And if what you're saying, I'm taking correctly, it sounds to me like people just need to put in the effort and put in put the feet on the ground to local politics, state, yes. provincial politics, just to get things going, at least, at the very least, put a threat out there of counteraction, yes. uh, of competition, uh, to these people who are sitting in office and maybe not doing anything. Is it as easy as that might sound, even if it is a lot of nitty gritty? No, it's, it's as, as easy as it sounds. It's as easy as you've just laid it out. And of course, you know, it's a little bit uncomfortable or very uncomfortable because it's the difference of waiting around for your Republican representative to do something and never doing it and actually going out there in the streets and collecting signatures or, you know, putting together a collective message of what is imp important to you and people in your district and your community and voicing it very clearly. I mean, now, I mean, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, but we've never had so many people show up to school board meetings or city council mm -hmm. meetings and voicing, and at least if not, if not getting the opportunity to voice, but at least being a face of disgust right disgust I, i'm not satisfied with what's going on and you will hear from me as this continues to go forward type of message and of course when we say when we say fight we're not talking obviously about violence please of don't course. anyone take this out of context no and 
even though your Instagram has a lot of self-defense. <laughs> yeah, I've seen yeah, some yeah. of that. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should go on <laughs> Steven Crowder or something yeah. and do some yeah. jujitsu with him. Should we as citizens have seen this abuse of lockdown uh, legislation coming? Or should were we right to give politicians a certain amount of leeway as elected officials? Should we have seen this coming? Yeah, I, I feel so naive, right? Um, <laughs> I think so many of us probably do at this point. Elected officials should never have more power than they were initially intended to have. And, and you know, and I've been studying a lot because I want to be um, eloquent in in the things I'm fighting for, but. Um, so Hillsdale College has a great um, constitution course, right? And one of the interesting things it says is there's all these checks and balances in place to um, ensure that our elected representatives represent us and not the other way around, that they don't um, dictate our existence, but represent how we would like to exist. And there's a major, um, a major gap in that right now, in that these people clearly not knowing, you know, it's hard to look at it and be like, is this not malicious intent by design? Or are they just so naive and ignorant to science and reality that they're actually allowing this to occur to us? And I, I, I don't know, I, I tend to give people too much credit, but to me, it just feels so evil, um, especially what's going on in, in your neck of the woods to in, in, in New Zealand, in Australia, in Victoria, Australia, at this point, it's absolutely criminal how people have taken the power of everyday citizens and their own discernment of how to exist in life away from them under the guise of, uh, this is for your benefit. How dare they, how dare they? Um, I'm, it's, it, it gets me so riled up. I'm so frustrated by that, that, and, and I think that the, the hardest part is that people are not going to, it's only going to get uglier and people, there's enough people who aren't in the uncomfortable situation yet and aren't like, there'll be a change when we are all in, in so much discomfort, right? Because we're with that, that, uh, um, analogy of the of the frog in the boiling water is used over and over again but you know we're all like oh this is hot and uncomfortable like what should we do you know and it's like get the f out you know um but it takes all of us and there's too much at this point in my perception i don't know what's going on in, in, in you know other areas of the world but i've noticed so much infighting in the conservative movement and so many dispersed groups we really have to get together to create this common uh, directive and focus to be able to annihilate the absolute insanity that is happening to the world, um, to the world and, and to our country. Now, in terms of school policy, which is something I've seen you talk about, when we talk about things like critical race theory, even masking for kids, uh, remote learning and all this stuff that's going on. Yeah. Do you put a lot of, you know, 
thought into the idea of was was this on purpose or was this bad policy that nobody even bothered to read? And something I wrote down here was, is it, is it coming from a good place or did nobody bother to read what critical race theory is? Did nobody bother to read the science behind, you know, masking a child or if it's necessary right. to put them in, you know, the little camper bubbles playing uh, instruments that we oh, saw over God. the last year? Yeah. Yeah, I think every it's such a litigious world at the moment, right? So everyone's afraid of being liable. And if they don't take the proper precautionary, like everything's based on fear. I remember when I, while I was pregnant with my son, I had to get all these, what seemed to me to be completely unnecessary tests of, to task the risk of this potential. I'm like, okay, what, what happens if that risk turns out to be high? Is there anything I can do about it? Well, no, but you should know the risk. Well, why? Why do I need to know the risk of everything? It's, it's covering everyone's behinds. I don't know how far this paywall is or if we're allowed to swear or what. Or what. Are you but, trying you know, to say ass? I think you can say that. Ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, everyone's trying to cover their asses of about, you know, so to not get sued if there was some sort of, you know, like, uh, uh, outbreak in the, in the kindergarten, right? Mm -hmm. that, 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 which has never happened anywhere. I don't know how long we have to, this is the thing, science. And, and, you know, I act like, um, some, I don't, I'm, I'm learning. So, uh, but science used to have a process, right? A hypothesis, a, a way to test it, a way to put it out and then test it again, and then have other people vet it. And now we're, we don't use that sort of method to come up with the decisions that seem to be pretty important decision makings in regards to science and health. We just go based off of fear, pressure, litigiousness, and you know, social justice and commentary and mass, mass hysteria. And that is not a way, for some reason, that's become the acceptable way to exist in society. When a lot of people disagree with that. And then there's a lot of people who are ignorant idiots who have no idea how the world works, who have no accountability for their own health and their own behavior, and they think that the other people are wrong, right? So how do you change? Basically, there's a saying my dad always used to say to me, you can't argue with crazy. And that's what we're dealing with right now. We're, we're dealing with emotionally hysterical, mentally deficient, uh, subhuman human beings who have no grasp on reality and are existing for a, from a place of fear. Maybe that's extreme. Maybe I'm hyped up on, 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 the disgust of humanity right now, but, but, you know, the, the rule following that us as decent human beings has gotten us into is really troublesome. And if we aren't convicted in, um, breaking these absurd social rules that have just only recently been established, then we will fall into a despairing communist society and, and end up like the millions who have died consequently in every communist country that has ever been tried. Yeah, I do have a big problem with legislating based off of what could happen or, or yes. things that we fearfully might happen. It's right. very, uh, what's the Tom Cruise movie? And I think I always do this. You got to do the Minority Report, I think it is, where he's moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've been thinking about that a lot, too, myself, actually. Like, this is this is a potential this is a potential crime. And and you know what's scary is 
you know they're looking at characters and human beings in society right now thinking that person has a 60% chance of making a crime in the future and are watching the, those people because of it. You just know they are. You have to count on that. And so, you know, be very careful with your social footprint, your vocal footprint. I mean, this sort of discussion right now could probably put me on a list that oh, I'm already sure. probably You're on, on anyways. List, you know, sure. yeah, I'm on the list. And for here's sure. one for uh, producer Efron, the owner of 23andMe is the sister of the CEO of, the CEO of YouTube. Uh, so just everybody can look into that one. I have my own <laughs> theories about that. The last thing I'll- I do too. The last thing I'll I do ask too. you the is- I do too, the 23 and me, yeah. Yeah, they were both on, yes. uh, she was on Shark Tank and I was like, wait a minute, that's the same last name. Uh, medical bias is, is clearly something that we've come across with hydroxychloroquine. Uh, it's the worst thing in the world. Oh wait, it can help people. Mask your children and give them vaccines. Oh wait, it turns out we shouldn't do that. Faith in institutions. Is it all completely mm -hmm. gone? Can we can we put it anywhere mm -hmm. anymore? I think you can put faith in individuals. I think it's so troublesome in general to put faith in an institution just by nature of um, many people in, in finding this in my own experience in people that I really adore. You know, we don't all agree. And so we therefore can't as a entire unit represent everything about the diverse, complex characteristics of an individual's own perceptions and feelings so so no no you can't you can't anymore i mean i mean it, it would be there you can have faith in aspects of the institution because now okay for example the who is saying don't back children um and that it could be dangerous right well so do we put our faith in the who now when just a few months ago we were had very little faith right mm -hmm. so we can put our faith into aspects of it but the discernment really has to come from your own education, your own perception, and your guidance to finding the truth that is respectable to liberty. For sure. And I think we can all agree, or at least you and I, I say all, I don't know why. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that we ha can come together on common beliefs like freedom of speech, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all the great stuff I wish there is a Canadian constitution to address. But I'm going to let you go. Um, any last words for a Canadian audience? You know, I, I've heard, I have friends there explaining to me what's going on and, and a lot of it, the same similar um, outlines of what's happening historically here as well. And, and, you know, I think part of the narrative that Americans are experiencing is like, well, this is unprecedented territory, even with the audit, which who knows what would happen with that. But you know, the the thing that has been historically relevant in all of our coming to be great countries, right, has always been an outside of the box, historical explosive moment. And the heroes of this, of this period in time are also going to be sensationally disliked because their behavior is not going to be in sync with how we've existed throughout, you know, the last 10 years. There are people who are going to get loud. There are people who are going to get boisterous and to make you uncomfortable. But I would look to them for courage and for um, enlightenment to see like, okay, how can I relate to that? How can I propel myself? past this level of discomfort because I've never tried this before. How can I be the hero in this moment to save my future generation uh, from the tyranny of that will only come if we don't stand up now?
Well, thanks a lot for all your wise words. I know you're trying to say you want to be more eloquent. I think you put it perfectly. I think you're doing a great job down there. I know you're working with a mutual friend, Midge, down there. Um, I'm yes. very proud. If I can say that, I'm very proud of the work you guys are doing from this standpoint. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys have the best of luck, and I hope everything works out. I hope you'll come back on for more uh, touching on different topics as the time goes on. So thanks a lot. Um, you're a very good defensive weapons specialist now I know to be oh, afraid of you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me and, and, and good luck to everyone out there. Our thoughts are so with you. Thanks a lot and have a great day. You too. Thanks for watching another episode of Andrew Says. If you want exclusive content, go to rebelnewsplus.com where we talk about topics we're not allowed to show you on social media. Danger.